You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey everyone, it's Amy Newmark with your Chicken Soup for the Soul. And today we have a special guest for Friend Friday, Kelly Wright, who is not only a Chicken Soup for the Soul contributor, but more importantly, a national award-winning journalist. He is seen nationally on the nightly news program, The World Tonight with Kelly and Nayara, which airs on Black News Channel, BNC. He's been a TV personality for decades, including on Fox News. And he's also a recording artist and a motivational speaker. And he has a lot of great stories to tell. So welcome to the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, Kelly, a man of many talents. Amy, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to join you and delighted to be part of your program as well as the book. Well, we're so pleased to have you on today, Kelly. We first met, as I recall, when you interviewed Brina Clark for our book, Chicken Soup for the Soul. I'm speaking now with 101 stories by Black women sharing their truth. And then I found out that you had your own incredible story that I so much wanted for our book, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will. Your mom was one tough woman, yeah, but you didn't find out just how tough she was until you were 13. So why don't you tell us what happened that day? Sure, I'd be delighted to. First, my mother, June Lorraine Overton Wright, as you stated, was a very courageous woman, very tough, very brave, but also very loving and faithful. So I just recall uh, that it was a beautiful, sunny afternoon, and mom would always have these conversations with me. She wanted to dial in and zero in to my heart, to my mind, to my soul, to make sure that I would grow up to be something uh, to to give people value, to to value people, to to be a contributor to society and to be a lover of people uh, and not someone who would hurt people or malign them. She always wanted me to be good, to practice faith, to practice hope, to practice love. And this particular day, it was just an unusual conversation, Amy. I could tell she was about to unpack something that I hadn't heard from her before. And she always had marvelous stories, but this story zeroed in on my relationship with her in a way that I never imagined. She began to speak to me on the porch of my grandmother's home in Hagerstown, Maryland. I will never forget it, 312 North Jonathan Street. And she began to unfold this story that she first started talking about the birds and the bees, about sex, so that I would be prepared for what's happening out there in the world. I was 13 years old. She wanted me to prepare for this. So here's my single parent mother trying to talk to me and telling me about life. And then she begins to weave in this story about what happened to her in her life. And she began to you know, it's so emotional to talk about. She began to unpack what happened to her at the age of 16. Mom had been very brilliant in school, had desires of becoming a psychiatrist. She was a beautiful singer, 
just a fantastic voice. Her mother wanted her to go on to become a, a professional uh, uh, singer, but mom wanted to be a psychiatrist. And she was talking about how she had befriended a pastor's wife and they would go shopping downtown. And on this one particular Saturday, she was invited to go downtown again with the pastor's wife at a neighboring church. And she goes there like she routinely does. She knocks on the door. The pastor opens the door and says that she's not here. She's already gone ahead. And mom, being innocent, didn't think there was anything odd about that. He invited her in. And what happened after that, Amy, is something that happens to so many young girls. That pastor, that man of trust, that man who you look up to in the community, especially in a small Black community that's closely knit in Hagerstown, Maryland, you trust them. But what he did, he violated the trust, violated my mother by raping her, and that sexual assault really just caused her to to have a full-scale alarm about what do I do? How did I get myself into this situation? She began asking herself the question, like, so many young girls and women today go through, like, did I do this? Did I put myself in this condition? Did I put myself in this situation? You look at yourself and then you say, what do I do about it? This is long before Me Too movement, long before women had a voice like they do now. And the first thing she said, she ran out of the house. And then she just ran and ran and ran. And then when she finally got home, she just tried to to really absorb the pain of what happened, the reality of what happened. And then she tried to reason, what do I do about it? Do I go to the police? Do I tell my mother? And she says, oh, God, no, I can't tell my mother because she has a a, a hair. (laughs) She'll just just go off the rails and who can tell what's going to happen after that? So she held it into her own psyche and absorbed the trauma of this. She thought she could forget about it, but then to her surprise, she discovered that she was pregnant. And now she's on the, on the horns of a dilemma. And that was back in the 1950s. I mean, yes. a disgrace back then. Absolutely. Absolutely. No matter how you slice it, it would always be viewed as a disgrace. So now she's torn with, do I tell? And again, realizing that it would be worse for her to tell, she continued to hold on to it, except for telling her grandmother, who kept it a secret between the two of them and advising her. The pain of this, though, is that she could never tell her mother because she knew her mother would overreact. And obviously, you begin to show. And she began to show. She was in high school. And she endured the slings and arrows and, and the outrageous statements of so many people saying, you got knocked up, you, you, you did this, you did that, you were promiscuous, you're a bad girl. She endured all of that. And, and she was really, like I said, a, a, just a, a, a young lady who was brilliant and wanted to achieve something good. And here she is, she's pregnant and not telling the full story. She endured the hostilities and the terrible remarks from so many people. Bottom line is she came home one day and found her suitcase in the living room. And she asked her mother, why is this suitcase here? And her mother explained to her 
Her mother was a domestic worker, had gone to Morgan State University, dropped out of college, but returned to Hagerstown, Maryland to, to work and was working as a domestic for a lot of successful and wealthy, affluent families in the white neighborhoods in, in the suburban areas. And, and she said, I was able to raise enough money with my bosses to fly you to Nebraska to have an abortion. And my mother said at that point, something really turned in her. She said, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to have an abortion. God is telling me this is the only child I'll ever have biologically. And she was adamant about it. And she said it in such a way that her mother understood that this was not going to happen. And then five days after her 17th birthday, March 24th, 1955, I was born. And when my mother told me all of that, I just began to just have this overwhelming sense of love for her like never before, because I had always grown up wondering, where's my dad? You know, I was this young, precocious child thinking, you know, what's different about our family? I've got mommy, but I don't have a daddy. And I would have to endure some of the kids calling me a bastard and things like this, you know, and I was thinking, well, that's, that's a hurtful thing to say to me. And then my mother began explaining it to me at 13 and it all became so crystal clear. And more than anything else, I think as I still reflect on this, I'm sorry, we get emotional. I just began to, to just love her all the more. She was incredibly brave and obviously loved you intensely. Yes. From the moment of conception. I mean, she wasn't giving you up even though she had been raped. And even yes. though it really complicated her life and changed the trajectory of her life. Because she had been on a track for all kinds of achievement, but then she achieved you. So I'm sure that she wouldn't have changed anything because she ended up creating this amazing son. And you also said that she did something really admirable when it came to your sister. Yes. Keep in mind, my mother said that she had been told that I would be the only child that she would ever have biologically. My mother got married, never produced a child. They divorced and she still never produced a second child. And then this little infant that was about six months old, her name was Kim. She was being abused. And you could tell because when she was brought to our home. By that time, we had moved to Washington, D.C., and mom was doing quite well. We moved to Washington, D.C., and you could see the cigarette burns on her little legs. And I'm thinking, who would do this? And mom said, it doesn't matter. We're going to take care of her. And mom ended up adopting my sister, who's 13 years younger than me. And and the, the irony of all this is that my sister looks like me. <laughs> we, I think if you live in the household long enough, you take on each other's uh, traits. But that's something that my mother did. My mother reached out to help another child in need. She was helping me and she, she felt that she could really reach out and help another child in need. And to this day, my sister and I just reflect on the heroism, the love, and the courage. And... And the ability to reach out and touch lives, which is what uh, June Lorraine Overton Wright had. And we just love her and cherish her. And before she died, it's it's really, I I never told you the same, but before my mother died, she was battling lung cancer and in hospice. 
my sister and I and my, my wife, we gathered all of her closest friends and relatives. And we had a party with her. We had a party for her to give her her flowers while she was here, to sing her praises while she was here, to tell her how much we were blessed by having her in our life while she was here. And while there were no dry eyes in the hospice room at that day, there was a lot of joy and a lot of appreciation for this legacy of my mother and this life well lived. My mother never became a a wealthy woman, but she was wealthy in so many other things. She was rich in character, rich in love, rich in grace, rich in compassion, and rich in being able to provide wisdom to so many people, including me. Did I always learn from her? You bet. Did I always practice what she preached? No. Did I make my own set of mistakes? Yes. But the one thing she always said to me is never give up on being who I taught you to be. Keep your faith, keep your hope, keep your love. And if you fall and stumble, get back up. And that is what she instructed me to do. And I practice that now and I've passed it on to my own children. And it's just a, an incredible story of love and courage. Yeah, I can see how that just carries you throughout your life. We're going to break for a word from our sponsor. And then we're going to come back. And I want to talk about how your mother's teachings have propelled you through this amazing career that you've had. And I want to talk about your national news show so that our listeners can go and watch that show. So we'll be right back after this ad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back with Kelly Wright, a chicken soup for the soul writer, but more impressively to me, a national TV newscaster and performing artist and motivational speaker. Kelly, we talked about your chicken soup for the soul story. Now I really want to hear about your news show and how people can see it. Well, I um, am currently the co-anchor and managing editor of The World Tonight, which airs Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Black News Channel, BNC. And we're seeing nationwide on all of the cable systems. And uh, you can go to our website, bnc.tv, to find out how to get us. And it's a it's a two hours packed with politics. It's two hours packed with looking at uh, what's happening uh, globally. That's why it's called The World Tonight. We cover stories from America to Africa to any part of the world. And we talk about it and we break down and, and, and analyze the issues. We provide insight, information, inspiration. And our goal is to empower people, particularly the viewers who watch us, predominantly Black Americans. It's one of the fastest growing news operations in the nation. I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of this. We had the Kelly Wright Show on for a while on that particular network. We put that on hiatus. And we've taken on this role with the world tonight. And it's a a fast-paced but thought-provoking and insightful type of program that gives you a view through the lens of how Black Americans see the world 
and how the world sees them. And from that standpoint, we try to raise the bar in displaying excellence within the communities that we serve. I'm going to watch that show because I really want to see that point of view, which is not reflected in, you know, in normal national news shows. So I'm definitely going to be watching that. I know I hope it will be on my cable channel, but if it's not on my cable system, is there a way to watch it online? You can watch it online as well through various digital platforms. Again, if you go to our website, they can give you everything in terms of how to reach us, but it's Roku, Pluto, and online and YouTube. So we're, we're everywhere we're on about 300 million devices through digital platforms and online. You know, my motto is that we want to raise the level of awareness of, of the contributions of Black Americans and Brown Americans and, and Americans uh, who have been marginalized, Native Americans, and, and even white Americans who have been through some very difficult times. The bottom line is for me, my philosophy going into news is that, like Dr. King, I want to see a beloved community created. So from that standpoint, I go beyond just journalism and I become a, an activist, if you will, for bridging the divide that we have in our country. We're hyper partisan, we're hyper polarized, we're hyper racialized, and, and we're so divided. We have got to take off the shackles that keep us bound in division. And we have to break up these culture wars by bringing people to the table of brotherhood to discuss issues that matter to everybody. And let's face it, when you invite people to the table of brotherhood, not everybody is going to get along. But you have to have those conversations in order to move the needle forward in establishing and creating a more perfect union and a beloved community. And it does not just reflect on what we do in America. It also reflects on what we do globally, because globally, there is such a need, especially going through this pandemic, that we have to cross global divisions, local divisions. And in terms of elections, we have to get beyond the elections and get to the meat of how do I help my neighbor? And that is to love my neighbors, I love myself, and to love and pray for my enemies and do everything I can to bring people from the brink of destroying each other to the cusp of helping each other. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. because we always put a quote at the beginning of each Chicken Soup for the Soul story. And the quote we put at the beginning of your story about your mother applied on a micro level to your story, but also applies on a macro level to everything you yeah. just talked about. And that quote was, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that's what you're talking about in your new show and all of your other endeavors. So I want to thank you for joining us today. And before we conclude, I just wanted you to let our listeners know how they can learn more about you and your various endeavors. Well, you can really contact me or learn more about me through Facebook and Instagram, Kelly Wright News. And I, uh, I'm promoting a, our new book with Chicken Soup for the Soul. And it's Tough Times Won't Last, But Tough People Will Also releasing a new musical album on the 15th of November, and that will reflect my gospel music. It's kind of jazz and country and R&B and speaks universally to, to the world about how we need to get over hurting each other and start helping each other. That is really, really good. Thank you so much for all of that. 
I want to thank everybody for listening today. And I want to ask everybody to come back for our next episode where you're going to learn about navigating elder care and dementia and how you should enter your loved one's new reality instead of trying to bring your loved one back into your own world. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, Amy. Thank you.